Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We've been talking about the word no for a number of weeks. The word no comes out of the Ephesians 4.27 scripture that we've been talking about giving no, everyone say no, no place to the enemy. The translations you've got to memorize by now, Ephesians 4.27, give no opportunity, no chance, no way for the enemy to gain ground in your life. In your life means your spirit. In your life means your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The enemy would like to gain any ground he can in your thinking, in your feeling, your affections, your emotions, and in your will, your decision-making, how you direct your life. The enemy would love to take any influence he can have in the realm of your spirit, in the realm of those spiritual passions and those areas of faith and prayer that you hold before God. So the enemy comes in to invade our territory. Yes, the devil is real. Yes, the spirit of the underworld is real. And there's a spirit that works against us with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they all come in to take ground from us. Now, when you become a believer, you have to step over a bridge and you have to connect the dots in order to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, when a person comes to a place of salvation, salvation is a continuing journey for some people. Some people, it's an event, an experience. They decide, they move on, and they believe God. A lot of people come to this by listening and and evaluating and finally coming to a conviction that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He really died for your sin. He really rose from the dead, and He's alive today. Now, for you to reach out and get a hold of that faith perspective and bring it into your life takes faith because it's invisible. You've never seen God. You've never seen Christ. You've never seen heaven. You've never seen hell. You've never seen an angel. Most people. You have feelings about what is right and true and real by the worldview and the influences around you. Somehow the Holy Spirit moves into your life and begins to allow you and bring you to a place where you actually have faith to say, I really believe Jesus Christ lived. I really believe Jesus Christ died. I really believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I really believe Jesus Christ is the only way to God. I really believe there is only one God, and I believe it's the God of the Bible. It takes faith to go through every one of those hoops. Every time you move to another one of those decision-making places, you have to have faith in the invisible world. Now, there's two realms of the invisible. The one could be the physical invisible, which we would call the atoms, the molecules, those areas of physical anatomy and the world that we know exists. But we have never and haven't in science in technology and medicine, we have never put our hand on an atom. We have never put our hand on a molecule. It's a theory. It's an idea of how these things produce what we see they do. And so we believe in an invisible realm. You believe in atoms and you've never met one, never felt one, never seen one. You only believe what they wrote about them. You believe in the, on the molecules and the structure and all that goes on with your human anatomy because someone wrote about it and told you this is what exists. And so you believe it. 
But really, it's an invisible realm. Now, we like that invisible realm because we can actually control it. If we believe in it, we can actually move into it, but we can actually move this invisible realm around. We can study it. We can actually do some things with it. We can, through scientific discovery, use it in different ways to create energy and create thus and thus and thus. So we believe in that invisible realm and have no problem. But the other invisible realm is the invisible realm of the God realm, the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit, God himself, the invisible kingdom of God realm that exists somewhere. And we know there's a heaven, at least the Bible says there is. There's a hell, the Bible says there is. There's a God, the Bible says there is. There's a creator God who created all these natural realms. People have a hard time moving to this realm because if you actually say, yes, I believe in that invisible realm. I believe God, the creator of the Bible, in the beginning was God, and God created heavens and the earth, and God created man. Therefore, God's a ruler and sovereign Lord over everything he created. Yes, I believe in the invisible realm. I also believe in the Bible. I didn't meet any of the writers. I don't know how the inspiration happened, but God somehow inspired them, and they wrote the Bible. Yes, I believe in the Bible. And yes, I believe what the Bible says. And yes, I'm going to obey what the Bible says. For you to move to that realm of the invisible, you have to acknowledge God, which means you have to submit to that realm, which means that realm has some authority over my life. That realm that's invisible, even if I want to shove it away and say, well, how do you know God is real? How do you know anything is real? How do you know any of the molecules in the atoms are real? Are you going to trust just what a scientist says and put the Bible away and say, the Bible really maybe is right, maybe is wrong. Maybe Jesus is the only way. Maybe he is not the only way. Maybe Christ is the only way to God. Maybe there's many ways to God, philosophically and all the different religions. Or I go back to the Bible, John 14, there is only one way to the Father, and that one way is through Jesus Christ. At some point, you come to a place where you say, I believe. Everyone say out loud, I believe. I believe is a manifestation of your faith level. I believe that Christ died for me, loved me, can cleanse me of my sin can actually make me an eternal being that will spend my eternity in the right place. Therefore, Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if a man believes, everyone say believe, believes in his heart, which is your inner realm, not your heart that pumps your blood. It speaks of that inner part, your core. If a man believes in his heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and rose from the dead, and then the Bible says, and confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He shall be sozo in the Greek, saved, delivered. He will be brought into another realm. It's a mysterious thing. It's a very supernatural thing to think that words spoken by a human heart and mouth, spoken into existence, something that is eternal and something that is invisible and something that is absolutely real that transforms the inner world of that person and something happens, their spirit is born again. The Bible says it's like lighting the candle and your spirit is lit and the light in you puts out the darkness and you have illumination and enlightenment and you begin to understand that Jesus really is the Son of God. Something happens in you. Your spirit is born again. You're open to another realm and you begin to grow as a spiritual person. All of that 
is what we call being born again. Your spirit changes, but it takes a realm of faith. You have to believe everything I just said. Once you're born again, every person that accepts Christ as their Savior receives the incorruptible seed. Second Peter chapter 1, about verse 22. The incorruptible seed, there's a deposit A small supernatural seed falls into your spirit and that seed can be watered, that seed can be nurtured, and that seed can begin to grow in your life. And we call that faith. And as your seed begins to grow, you begin to believe more, you begin to say more, you begin to sing more, you begin to enlarge your inner world. Before you know it, you start having faith for things you never had faith for because something is growing inside of you and it's spiritual and it begins to reach out to the invisible realm. Every person hearing my voice that has experienced Christ personally, not religiously, not mentally, but personally, and you have had a born-again experience where Christ is coming in and your spirit has been changed, you have faith. And your faith is enough to get you from a position of no salvation to salvation, a position of doomed to spend eternity in the wrong place to being transferred to spend an eternity in the right place. Your faith transitions you to another whole side of life. As you grow, you start adding to your faith. Prayer. You start adding vision. You start adding some more invisible ingredients that causes you to be a faith person. Now, the mystery of the kingdom of God and the mystery of the Bible simply teaches this. Your heart and your mouth in the right chemistry will create a supernatural activity that will actually move your faith into a reality realm. It's an amazing principle. So much so that the Bible says, by the way, Watch the words of your mouth. You will be snared by the words of your mouth. Why? Because the words in your heart can bring death or life. Wow. Is that true? The words inside of me can bring death or life to me or to other people. Yes, that's what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth by speaking the word of God. God said Let there be, and it was. So God creates this principle, passes it on to us, his creation, and says, now be careful with this, because this is a kingdom principle. Now, last weekend, we talked about faith declaration. Faith declaration, I'm going to read these off. You won't have time to take them down, but I just want you to hear them as preface to what I'm going to say next after your faith declaration. A faith declaration goes like this, all right? Here you go. A faith declaration is made when our heart and our mouth agree together and we speak God's word with the spirit of faith. Now, I have a choice. You have a choice. I am no different than you are. I've been raised the same way you have the potential of being raised, and that is around the word and the spirit of God. You have the potential to do that. I have a choice. I can believe what my mind says. I can believe what other people tell me. I can allow my flesh, which is my carnal nature, to feed me into an attitude or a perspective about any area of my life. It can be relationships. 
It can be future. It can be money. It can be love. It can be acceptance. It can be insecurity. Whatever you want to talk about to do with your life, I can believe what my mind says. Well, you know what? I will always suffer from this particular inferiority complex. You know, what has happened to me has scarred me for life. I will never really get over that relationship. You know, this right here in my family tree, I've noticed is a real problem. This is an anger family tree. And I've noticed I got a lot of the fruit of it. You know what? It seems like I can't really get ahead. Every time I start marching down that road, something gets a hold of my finance. Some gets a hold of my decision. I don't know if I can really turn this thing around. You know, I'm a person that really is not that spiritual. And when I get around spiritual people, I kind of shut down Because I don't really see myself as that spiritual. And so your mind and your flesh begin to feed you information. And you have a choice. Believe what your mind says. Believe what people or your flesh says. Believe what anybody out there says. Or you pick up the Word of God and you believe what the Word of God says. And when the Word of God says, you know what you are? Yes, what am I? You are forgiven. You are chosen. You are elected. You are special. You are absolutely created in my image. You have an awesome future. You are blessed. I'm going to pour my goodness into your life. I'm going to direct the steps that you're going to take. I'm going to cover everything you have to do. I'm going to care for you, watch over you, and protect you because I am your Father. I am your God. Will you believe my word or not? How many of you say, I believe His word? His word is better than your mind. His word is better than your own thoughts. You have to fill yourself with the word of God. Well, confession means I confess what's in the word of God. Second, a faith declaration is made when we believe, declare, and stand upon the absolute faithfulness of God's word. I stand on it. I get some scriptures on love. I get some scriptures on faith. I get some scriptures on relationships. I get some scriptures on money. I get some scriptures on future. I get some scriptures on wisdom and decision-making. I lay them out, and then I feed my spirit with those scriptures. I go to war with those scriptures, and I begin to direct my life by the Word of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you consider the Word of God in your everyday life, or do you think it's all on you? Every decision... Every mistake, everything that's crossing over right now, everything that could come your way in the next day, week, month, year, who is in charge of your life? If you believe that you're in charge, you will suffer so much more deeply with your mistakes than a person who understands that God's in charge. Because you actually believe everything you do affects how you live and every decision you make affects what's going on. And if you've made the mistake, you are a guilty person, you are ashamed, and you don't know how to get out of it. So you actually believe it's all over to you. God had nothing to do with it. God doesn't know anything about it. God won't do anything about it because it was your mistake. If you live like that, you'll have a hard time having faith to believe that God can forgive. God can redirect your steps. God can make good come out of evil. God can make all things work together for good to them who love the Lord. Come on, everyone say all things. All things. My faith declaration has a lot to do with how I see God controlling, overseeing, directing my life. Therefore, my confession is the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Yes, my God is able to make all things work together 
Yes. My God takes the steps in front of me and lays them out. The steps are already ordered. Proverbs 16. He weighs my heart. He weighs the circumstance. And he finds the best direction for me. Yes. And so I begin to read the scriptures, meditate and pray and confess and declare what my heart believes about the word of God. And the word of God begins to release a faith for me to actually do the thing that I'm believing for and making room to happen. A faith declaration fixes the landmarks of my life, enlarging my inner world. Jay Bass, he prayed a hard prayer and God says, I'll answer that. I'm going to enlarge your world. A faith declaration is made when we sow a word, seed, that will bring a harvest. If you sow seeds like everything is against me and nothing works out for me, you're sowing a negative seed that will bring a negative harvest that will actually call in negative circumstances. If you sow unbelief, criticism, bitterness, resentment, resentment, any of those areas of the flesh, if you sow those, verbalize them all the time, they bring a harvest of emotion back into your life and you actually begin to sow and reap a negative harvest, a wrong harvest, a harvest that God doesn't want you to have. But you're sowing the seed in front of you all the time. When you go in to apply for the job, I won't get that job. I'm underqualified. I'm sure there's 50 other people, though. You sow the seed and reap the unbelief. You know, I, I know there's 400 people waiting on this list to get into the nursing school. I'm sure I'm not one of them. Why sow it? Why agree with the thing that you don't want to happen? Why sow the seed? that you're not blessed and chosen. And if there's 400, they will be blessed if they choose me because I'm a blessed person. Maybe there's 10 other people saying the same thing, but God will direct all your steps. He will provide according to your faith, according to what you see. But we close it off by doubt, fear, unbelief, worry, wrong confession. We limit our world. A faith declaration is building our spirit and our faith to a higher level, and a faith declaration is seeing God involved in my life to do the very best for me. I want you to turn to someone around you and say, God wants to do the very best for you. How many of you believe you deserve it? I see that hand. Is there one other? How many of you believe you deserve the very best? How many, how many of you know I want you to say yes, but you're feeling no? We don't really like to believe the best for ourselves because we have sin and we have mistakes and we have character flaws and we have selfishness and we have a lot of reasons why we won't believe for the best. But I'm telling you right now, the Bible says God wants to do the best for you. Don't settle for less when God wants the best. It's your flesh that will drive you to less. Now, here's a statement I want you to take down and read with me. No to limiting my faith living. All right, here we go. First slide. I want everyone to read it out loud with me. Are you ready to go? We're going to start with today. Everyone say today. today. No, come on, a little louder. Today. Today, I say no to anything that seeks to limit my faith positions. I live by faith and not by sight. I am filled with great faith in a great God who does great things. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Come on, a big amen. amen. I am filled with a faith that says, yes, he's a great God. Now, here's a scripture for you. Hebrews 11, verse 1. 
Now faith is. Everyone say, now faith, and then shout the word is. Now faith It's here. You already have faith. Now your faith might be little. Your faith might be weak. Your faith might be strong. I really don't want to pick on anybody about where your faith level is this morning because I I think it's awesome that we all have the same opportunity. We have faith. We all start with the same seed. There's not seeds. There's not big seed, little seed. God saves me and says, I'm going to give him a big seed of faith. God saves someone else and says, I'm going to give you a little seed of faith. God saves someone else. I'm going to give you an in-between. It's not that way. We all start the same. Now, faith is. You have faith. Now, your faith can do several things, but you have faith. And that faith is at whatever level it is. To have faith is to be sure of the things hoped for, to be certain of the things we cannot see. That's a big deal. We try to deal with the things we can only see. And God says, no, to move into faith, you have to deal with the things you can't see, which is what? Remember this. Faith usually is unreasonable. To move into faith means there's parts of it that are absolutely unreasonable. And so when you begin to move into an invisible realm and listen to an invisible God who gives you the Word of God written for another realm, a realm that is supposed to teach us how to live in a higher realm, in the realm we are on planet Earth, to teach us how to believe God, that He's the God of the impossibility, the God who can open doors, the God who can do all things. And we sing these songs and we believe. And then someone comes along and says, so this is what I want you to do. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's however you get it. Someone says, I want you to go down to wherever you fish. Okay? I want you to throw on your line. Got it? Yeah? The first fish you catch, I want you to reel it in, open its mouth, and there will be a coin in the fish's mouth. How many of you would say, well, that's reasonable? That's what Jesus told Peter. That's what Jesus told one of the apostles. That's what Jesus did to some of these fishermen. Go and pay the taxes just like this. Not reasonable. Not reasonable during a storm for a fisherman to listen to a man who was already walking on the water to say to you, get out of the boat, walk on the water. Come on. It's not reasonable. Jump out of a boat, land on the water. Well, I bet you that first, that first landing must have been a high for him to land and just go, whoa, come on, Peter. Can you believe this? I'm not sinking. And as he starts walking, his reason sets in. People don't do this. This is unreasonable. He starts to sink. Jesus picks him up. And then Jesus says, I think one of the, Strangest things. He says, oh, you of little faith. Little faith? Little faith? A man who walks on water, that's little faith? Oh, my God. I don't even know where I'm at. If that is little faith, I'm going to have to say, whoa, wow, wait a minute, Jesus. That's little faith. Yeah, he has little faith. Have you even stood up in the bathtub to try to walk on water? I mean, for a person to walk on water and for Jesus to say, that's little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Come on. I'm going to lift you up. Wow, I got to get started and get, a, get at least above little faith. Walking on water. Well, 
wasn't reasonable. Faith is, but sometimes makes you do things that just don't seem reasonable. All right, Matthew 9, 29. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, I, I want you to get this and I want you to get it into your spirit. If I knew for sure, which I believe I do because the Bible teaches it, that the Holy Spirit would just move right now and just park right beside me. Say, Frank, say yes. According to your faith, I will do what you want. What's your faith? Well, um, let me think about that. You mean you're going to do according to the level that I will believe. Whatever you want to believe, I'll go to your level according to your faith. I will treat you according to your faith. If you want to believe for something outrageous, if you want to believe for something much larger, bigger, and wider than you are, I will move you to that realm so that you can actually begin to believe that. But I will deal with you according to your faith. If I really believed that, I would make sure that I never shot too low. I would make sure that I never actually allowed myself to be limited so down that I would never believe for anything great according to my faith because I get beat up and I get unbelief. And so I start praying smaller prayers. I start praying more safe prayers. I start doing things that are not even in the faith realm really because I don't really have that much faith for the things that should happen. Remember when we went to the 217 campus, buying that campus or renting and leasing, just trying to start Chimacast five years ago. The building we wanted was in that uh, triangle over there that was very expensive, nothing available. And I, I can remember having this spirit of faith saying, go there. And I can remember the real estate people saying, you can't go there. And I can remember me coming back saying, but I want to go there. And then coming back saying, you can't go there. Because there's no buildings, what we want, the permits are not available, or, or, or. And then I found the 217 building and said, I want that building. It said, you're at 31 on the list even to bid for that building. There's no way you can even get up the, the, the food chain there, even to get into the right place, even to bid for the building. So you need to go somewhere else. But in my spirit, I said, no. No, I don't want to go somewhere else. I want that building. Well, I didn't know if God would actually give us that building. But in my spirit, I went according to my faith. I wouldn't go to another level. I just kind of stuck with that. And then God, I think, just moved some things around and said, you know what? I'm going to honor your faith. Because we could have done two other different buildings. And God says, okay, but you're sticking with us. He says, yes, this is my prayer. This is my confession. I'm driving by. I'm prayer walking it. I'm believing. I can see us doing church here. I think we should be in this building. And God worked it out that we could be in this building. As I look back, I think to myself a lot of times, what would have happened if I just would have said, okay, no problem. Uh, triangle's too expensive. Uh, we're 31 on the list, so we won't even start with that. Uh, we might as well just go to some little strip mall somewhere, somewhere in the back, some industrial park or somewhere off and, you know, map it out and try to get to it. And it would not have been the same. But I, I have to believe that what happened is God dealt with me according to my faith. George Muter, who was building orphanages in England, by faith, he had 
a teaching on faith that was very interesting. People would ask him, George Mueller, how do you get so many things from God? How do you live in this realm and get so much happening? He answered a very, very interesting answer. He said, I pray for things that other people won't even ask for. What's that mean? Example. Orphanage, boiler, broken boiler, no heat, bad for the kids. Calls in a company, middle of winter, they're going to fix the heating system, which is the boiler. It's going to take them hours and hours, like three days worth of hours or two days, 24 hours to fix this thing. But every hour the kids are freezing. It is in the middle of winter. It's an orphanage and they are in a bad situation. So what would you pray in that situation? I can think of several things I would pray. But I did not think of what he prayed for. He prayed that the north wind would stop and the south wind which was the warm wind, would start, and that the workers would warm up, and that the workers would say to him, we can work all night and finish this by in the morning because we're not cold anymore. It's not a problem. He prayed something I would not even think of praying. I would pray, let them give me a big discount. Let them add more workers. He prayed a very hard prayer. Stop that wind, start this wind, give them a heart, let them work all night, find the morning, we got heat back. Wow! What do you not pray? What is it you will not even go there to pray? The realm of faith that I believe God wants to lead the body of Christ into and Christians into is to teach them how to call forth and bring them into a level of prayer and belief that is beyond wherever you've been. Now you have to grow into that. Matthew 9 and 29 says, He touched them, says, according to your faith. Here's another scripture, Luke 17 and verse 5. And the apostles said, okay, increase our faith. Because they watched and they said, you know, Jesus... We don't do it the same way you do it. We don't believe it the same way you say it. We don't get the same results you have. So they had enough sense to stop and say, can you increase our faith for miracles? You know, when you're around a miracle or two, your faith goes very high. I remember being in different parts of the world, Argentina, Venezuela, Brazil, wherever it might be, Asia, when I'd been around places that were experiencing more miracles, if you see one blind eye open, your faith goes, mm. you see one crippled walk, you see one profound miracle, a withered arm straightened, your faith level, because of the atmosphere, increases. Say, so you know what? My faith level is not there at all. Oh, God, increase my faith level to experience what these people are living in that I'm not even thinking I will live in. And for finance, for anything else. Another hero of mine is Hudson Taylor, missionary to China. 
Hudson Taylor was a medical doctor, graduated in the early 20s, 22, 23. And he decides to go to China, but he's got no support. He's got nothing. Hudson Taylor realizes something. He says, you know what? People will forget me in China. This is what he said. People will forget me in China. Too far. Boat mail, offerings to come would take months just to get to him to begin with. And he's going into places of China that nobody even knows about. So he put it together as a young guy. He says, you know what? I'm going to have problems with resource. I'm going to have problems with money, people, things. So he decided while he was in England, he's only 24 years old now. He says, I'm going to learn faith now. How do you increase your faith? You have to put yourself into a situation where you have to be stretched to believe something. He took everything he had, gave it away. First step. Second step, he took all the money he had, gave it away. First, he didn't have much money to begin with, but the first money he gave away was to a mother who had a sick baby. Remember, he was already involved with doctoring. And this mother did not have the money to go to the doctor she didn't go to, so he took out the money he had, which was all the money he had. And it goes through in his biography the struggle he had to put his hands in his pocket, take out the shekel, put it in her hand, and not die of fear and anxiety that he had just given away his train fare, his rent, and everything else he was going to do. He just gave it away. He gave it. Backed off. Said, okay, God, now teach me how to enlarge and increase my faith because if I don't believe for resource, I'll never be a good missionary. In two days, he got four times back what he gave to the woman. He took the four times income, went to a train station, found a person who couldn't buy a train ticket and gave them his money. In seven days, ten times what he gave at the train station had come back in. He took the ten times and gave it to another missionary who was on a missions furlough who was going back. He took all, and he kept doing that until he had increased to hundreds of pounds of money that was coming in. And he just kept seeding, giving, seeding, and giving, seeding. And by the time he got ready to go to China, this was his testimony. He says, I have learned that the bank of heaven is better than the bank of man. Therefore, I will never, ever fear that God can provide for me lost province of China or on the streets of England because I've increased my faith from a nothing faith to believing God can supply all my need. How many of you would like to increase your faith? <laughs> Let me see those hands again. How many would like to increase their faith? Well, faith is a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't exercise it, it grows weak. If you don't use what you have, there's no reason for God to give you more. The way God increases our faith is He sends us trials, challenges, curveballs, 
in life. And you learn how to rise to the challenge or run from it, badmouth it, make excuses, get mad, live angry, murmur, gripe at the boss, gripe at the economy, gripe at everybody around you. Instead of saying, oh boy, this is a challenge. This is exactly what I've been waiting for. I can't believe I lost my job. Praise God. Now, whether I'm wrong or right, I'll tell you right now, it would be better for you to live with an attitude of praise God. This gives God an opportunity to do something awesome in my life. And he always goes to another level. This will be better than it's ever been before. I'm believing for a brand new door and a brand new job, better than the one I had. Lord, this is a great challenge for me. It would be better to live like that than to slam the door, walk out. Oh, I just tell you, that boss was the worst boss to work for in the world anyway. And you know, that building, and you know what, this economy, and you know what, I wish somebody would get Bush out of the office anyway, because he's the problem, really. And you know, this war, and you know, and before you know it, you're so filled with all kinds of stuff, you can't believe God for a piddly nothing. I say you get rid of all the excuse-making and blame-shifting and rise to the challenge with a new spirit of faith and say, Yay, God, here we go. Well, everybody in your business is going broke. Not me, baby. Well, you know, there's not many people building cabinets. My men will be building cabinets. There's not many people selling, you know, the hardware. My hardware company will sell. Either you let your unbelief go to the circumstance or you lift yourself to a realm of actually believing that God can work in your world. Did I hear an amen?